Well, ho there, hi there, hey there. This is Jim the Keys Bartender with the Keys Bartender Podcast, a podcast about bartending life and Keys life. So uh, I know I've been uh, talking a lot about job search. And the weird thing about it that for me is walking into a job or, or interviewing is is rough after working at a place for, let's say, eight years. And you're not used to necessarily interviewing for a position. Well, recently, I've gotten so secondhand. It became secondhand common for me to apply for a job. And I got in such a role with the resume, tweaking the resume, applying online, calling up, finding out positions, using uh, all my contacts to kind of contact other people, see if they have positions ready. So as you are maybe an avid listener, you may notice that because uh, here in the Keys, we are approaching what we call Hell Week. And a lot of people are thinking about season and they're thinking about how they have to ramp up for employees and um, such. Because, you know, during the course of the year, you lose people and then you gain people. And when it drops off again, you lose people because they move on. Some people are seasonal, the workers, and they move from place to place depending on uh, if they're, let's say, they they work at resorts and they, they come to the Keys during the winter and go maybe to Alaska. There's a lot of people that work in Alaska, especially fishing guides work in Alaska. There's different ho um, hotels where you have seasons. But uh, I guess ski resorts and down here would have a similar peak time because you only ski at places when there's snow. There's not a lot of snow up there right now. I mean, I know there's obviously on top of the mountains, there's a lot of places that, that have snow, but uh, not a lot of regular ground snow, you know, not at high elevation in the lower 48. But we don't concern about that ourselves. If, as I said in, in years back, if we ever had a measurable, a measurable amount of snow in the Florida Keys, that would be a disaster for the, uh, you know, the flora and the fauna. Let's say it would be a shot. You know, a lot of dead animals. I guess the raccoons and the and the squirrels and the possums would live. Some a lot of the birds, but uh, you know those those some of the uh, reptiles. I don't I don't think they'd be able to cut it. There you don't you don't see too many. That's the reason why you don't see uh, them above the frost line here. But workers, they seem to hold hold up pretty good in the heat and the cold weather down here. Not that we get much of cold weather. So yesterday, as I told you, I, I did my first day on a job I was training, and I didn't really think it was a good fit. Part of it was uh, just the whole setup there, and the, it looked like where I was going to get shoehorned into. Um, I didn't have a schedule when they started me my first day of training, and then I went back and looked. My name was on the schedule, but the whole line was blank that week. So I, that didn't look really good. And I didn't really need to work at a place that maybe 
or maybe not schedule me and has a very low traffic. Like there's not a lot of a lot of traffic coming through. So I was actually when I when I look for a bartender job, I look for a decent amount of traffic. You know, you have to have customers in order to make money. Unless you're working as a private bartender for some eccentric billionaire that may on a whim want to have a martini or a cocktail at any moment of the day. Uh, I think that would pretty much it. You'd probably be just doing something else. You probably wouldn't just be a bartender. You'd be kind of like a backup butler or man Friday for the billionaire because that would be kind of silly. He says, well, he, he's only a bartender. He doesn't, he doesn't unclog the toilet or check the mailbox. So I would, that wouldn't be necessarily my favorite job too, because that would be one of the reasons why I was looking for a job is looking for a change of pace and working, obviously working for a recluse billionaire, maybe a Howard Hughes type where I have to wear gloves and a mask and booties over my shoes. That may not be the best atmosphere for me. So what I was looking for is a lot of variety, not, not run of the mill. I think it has a lot to do with my, uh, and and people use this maybe over self-diagnose themselves as ADHD, attention deficit deficit and hyperactivity uh, disorder. But I think that a lot of people have this uh, certain characteristic. And I wouldn't attribute it to attention deficit disorder. I would attribute it to uh, you need the need for stimulation, mental, physical stimulation, being able to you know move around, sitting at a desk all day. That is a certain. I've done that several times. It is quite, quite uh, interesting when you see people that need to move around. And I may be one of them. I've seen people that had more, where they you know they have balls and they have, um, you know, they toss some balls in the air and stuff like that, and move around on their chair. Uh, that's that's just the way some people are. Some people can sit there at their desk and do uh, a ton of clerical work or uh, communications, phone calls. I did sales. A lot of it was sitting on my desk, contacting people, writing emails uh, to uh, uh, medical schools. And I was, uh, that's when I was in software. It would have probably been a little more interesting if I just said uh, I was in the cadaver business. I just saw a news special on that where people are, uh, when you sign the donation, um, you know, organ donation card. When you let's say your DMV has that, and you become an organ donor, they were saying how sometimes your body gets sold to a for-profit company or gets turned over to a for-profit company, and it may portray itself as a nonprofit, but they end up selling your body to medical schools. There was actually, this is very morbid. I, I, it's just interesting. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, there's something you may want to talk about that there's a, uh, a growing 
business. This one, I just saw this on, I don't know if it was Dateline or 60 Minutes or CNN, where people had uh, bought a corpse and did a public autopsy and they sold tickets to people. And it was at, it was in a meeting room at a local hotel. Yes. And there's people that paid a couple hundred bucks so they can attend an impromptu uh, autopsy so they can see a human body taken apart. I believe that uh, I do understand how people are have a curiosity, but there's plenty of things you can find on the internet. And if you pay several hundred dollars to see an autopsy, I would question what that person might have in the more secluded areas of, of, of their property. I would I would be on the lookout for secret uh, underground dungeons, uh, underground like bomb shelters that were uh, not known to be in existence, or maybe a shed with extra chains on it that's way off in the house in the back of the woods. So I, I would take a deep, long look at people like that. But then again, I guess if they did do that, they wouldn't pay a couple hundred dollars because they just go and do it themselves. That's kind of gross. And I don't know why I'm talking about this in part time. So I've been interviewing so much, it became second nature to apply for a job. Now, several of the, uh, I guess I put the wrong radius for my job search because I was getting jobs from uh, bartending jobs from Hawaii, Colorado, Washington. They're just listings. I'm not saying I got inquiries. And I and I'm looking for where, you know, edit my search. And I didn't it's only for one or two particular sites. And then they show up Miami. And you see the Miami one. And I'm thinking, okay, that that's more like it. They show it within I'm but I am not going to drive 60 miles to work. I know there's some really great jobs. I could work in Miami. I can. Well, it's some incredible money there, incredible money. But th I think that the for the couple hundred dollars more I would make a night, uh, the aggravation would offset. But what I tried to remedy that was looking at some higher-end places down here. And yesterday, I had uh, two of my best interviews. And it looks like everyone's looking to hire, well, which is fine. I get to spend the holiday with my family. No one is looking to start anybody to January 1st. Now, it's funny because that's uh, kind of like the extension of Hell Week. Hell Week starts next week. Uh, maybe the 26th, the 27th. It's after Christmas. It seems like most people want to be at their own homes for the holidays. We still get people that come and spend it down here with us. But it's after that. And it really picks up right after January 1st. But we it is busy. It is busy from the 26th through, this, uh, through the first week of January. And that looks like where I will be starting for two of my positions. On there, and I think that's probably the limit. But I keep on interviewing because I am in such 
a, a, a mode, an interview mode. And when people ask me questions, I'm, I'm like ready to ask, answer them. What, what is your, uh, what's your idea of teamwork? How about customer service and things like that? And some, sometimes, and a lot of times, actually, the interviewer will look at my email address and says, how did you get the email Jim at Keys Bartender? And I told him, oh, it's just, you know, I, I, I go, I say, I have a podcast. And they go, oh, yeah, podcast, what's the name of it? Keys Bartender. And then they go, oh, um, how long you've been doing? It? I go seven years, and they go, "How many episodes you have?" And you go, "Well, I'm actually on seven hundred and eighty-two." And they'll just look at me and say, "Boy," I said, "Yeah, I wanted to get to a hundred, and then when it got to a hundred, I made the next one two hundred, and then now I'm looking. I'm, I want to really get to a thousand episodes. I want to get to a thousand episodes. So I want to show that I'm slightly." Um, not demented, not, I want to be tenacious and spirited. That's my impression I want to give. Tenacious, spirited, with a strong team work ethic, uh, customer-oriented, uh, which is the big picture. I realize when you're good to everyone, you get a good reputation. People say he's a good guy. And if you're going to tip somebody, you might as well tip a good guy or girl or woman or man or child. You know, they want to know that you're not. So the, the, the part of being uh, good, I mean, say makes, I, I tell people it makes complete common sense and it makes for a better day. Makes it for a better day. I always say, yeah, if you're happy at work, you're happy when you're going home. I'm going to be happy all the time. That's the truth is. I, I discovered that. That if you're really pissed off at work, you're usually going to be pissed off when you go home. And I guess that's the gist of it right there. And uh, yesterday I was offered, uh, uh, I was suggested I might be a bar manager and bartender, which... I would be okay with that, depending on the compensation. And at the higher end, really great resort down here, really high end resort, they they said, "Well, you know, we're looking for like a a a, um, a banquet captain, you know, an an assistant to the banquet manager, a right hand person to him." And I said, "You know, I did banquet ma uh, management for years, so oh uh, yeah, I would be." I would be interested in that. Yeah, whenever they say, hey, Jim, would you be interested in doing this? Obviously, if I'm on a plane, I don't want someone coming back and say, Jim, would you be interested in uh, the pilot's not feeling well? Would you be interested in landing the plane? Uh, well, I mean, if I was the only one to take it, yeah, obviously, I would go and do it. I wouldn't be happy about it. I would pretend to be happy about it, I guess. That would be the right thing to do. Uh, but uh, whenever you had a job and say, well, listen, you think I'm qualified for that? Or can I be made qualified for that? I go, yeah, sure. I'd be, I'd love to do that. You need someone like that. I'd be always interested. If someone says I'm comfortable with all that, I'm clicking my fingers. I'm saying, if you want me over here, I'll go over here. I'll go over there. That sounded so exciting to me because it was, it was a resort. It has its own, uh, I'll give it away to the people listening down here. Uh, they have their own, uh, uh like small nine hole golf course on their property. It's a big property, very exclusive, you know, with a gatehouse when you come in and stuff like that. So, um, 
It's not the one that's north of here. It's the one that's south of here. So I'm going to take a pause and I'll be right back. Hello, I am back. I wanted to really kind of touch base on that attitude adjustment I told people. When the great thing of doing all these interviews, it made me reassess or actually codify what I think life is all about. Because well, actually, work isn't life. I understand that. But your your work ethic and the way you behave while you're at work has a lot to do with how you are the rest of the time. Right? I am not looking to be a different person when I'm in my job. It's much easier being the person you are all the time, not pretending to be someone else. And so if I generally try to be sweet, attentive, friendly, when I'm at work, I could be sweet, attentive, and friendly and helpful. So if I do that all the time, it's not like I'm playing two different roles. It, it, and it's not a uh, show off. It's not like I, I'm trying to get people to think I'm a good person. I used to think that was the best way to be, to have people think you were a good person. But in, in, in all reality, the, the best way to be a good person is to be a good person because you want to be a good person and and not uh, be good. Be, uh, it, it, it's in the Santa Claus thing. You better watch out. You better not cry. Uh, you better watch out. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. But in one of the lines, it says, be good for goodness sake. Think about it. It's not say, for goodness sake, you better be good. Um, and they, they may have meant it that way. But the, the idea is just to be good for goodness sake, not because of reward, not because it would reflect well on you. And you know my idea about the eternal reward. I, I'm a... I'm a deist, I guess. I am a deist. I believe in a higher power. I don't know necessarily how it's manifested. I do go to Catholic Church and and, and uh, I, I do you know I do pray, but I don't necessarily have an anthropomorphized view of the deity, meaning it's a human. It's just like they said you're made in that image, but maybe it's just your consciousness is made in that image. Right? The consciousness experiencing universe. Not to get too in depth there. Okay. So, my thing is, I never really liked that thing that you would have to be good in order to earn eternal um, reward. Right? You're put on sometimes, depending on your circumstances, some people, if they have really good circumstances, set before them have a very easy time of being good if they have all their basic requirements met all their uh, upbringing family people that care for them protect them and they're in a safe area i mean how it's only when you have your basic necessities met the housing, the food, the clothing, education, your safety, your well-being, your mental well-being, your physical well-being, your medical well-being. Uh, 
When that is all met, and you're, you have the wherewithal to ponder deep thoughts, you can come up and say, oh, well, I did really get everything. All I have to do is be good, but I got everything I need. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to steal. Uh, everything is given to me. So uh, there's no struggle. Now, there's some people that have all those things and they want more and they do some bad things in order to increase that. That's that's true. That's almost true denial of good. That's true denial of good. And uh, it could be, I don't, I don't believe in hell, but it could be that hell is a condition you set yourself in. Can I, uh, I, hell could be the being unable to recognize good, to be able to un, un, unable to recognize good. If you cannot recognize good, and your your view of the world is dark, uh, distrustful, hateful, envious, then. You might have a very difficult time ever viewing anything as good. And an eternity of thinking that way would be hell to me. No matter where I was, I could be set in a place, a palatial mansion with all the things in the world. But as long as your mindset isn't correct, it really doesn't. You don't benefit. You don't benefit from it, other than you appear to benefit from it. And there's tons of entertainment and literature and stories about people who do not enjoy their station in life, even though they're given great station, great high authority. And then you see, we the biggest shows recently were fantasy shows, uh, the Game of Thrones. Let's say. And the wealthiest people that took advantage of everyone in that universe, in that Game of Thrones universe, the people at the top of it were deceitful, uh, except for, you know, the exceptions. There were exceptions. And people that were loyal, dutiful, uh, took care of the people. But it seemed like overwhelming amount of people in, in power were, were horrible. And what's the point? If you cannot trust, recognize tender, tenderness, accept love as it being it is, and you know what what is the point? And uh, so that's the way I bring up with. I decided at work, you don't have to go and pretend to be someone you're not at work. Be the person you want to be. If you think about what would make me happiest, not that station would make you happiest. So would um. You know, people always think they buy the lottery, right? This would make me happy. And there's, there is a, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but uh, there is not a significant drop in people that do self harm or, or, or hurt themselves. I don't want to go into depth because this is the holidays and the worst, the worst part of the holidays, people being sad and hurting themselves. But winning the lottery or get, coming into great fortune does not cure you of depression. Does not cure you of depression. Uh, being healthy, there are very healthy people out there with good um, uh, that have all their necessities. Well, and depression just strikes everyone. Uh, 
And it's a mindset. And sometimes it has little to do with what you intellectually know. You say, I have a good life. I have good friends. I have people that care for me, but I'm, I'm depressed. I'm unhappy. I'm anxious. And uh, a lot of people might say, say, well, it's because you're living in the future. You're forecasting. You're thinking things that happen. Um, if you take care of today, you'll be fine. You hear all sorts of things. And, and, and sometimes that does help. Sometimes that does help. Sometimes you little, need a little more. You need a little more. You need a little more therapy there. And it's extreme. And it's unfortunate. Some of the, the wealthiest people, and we've seen them. We've seen some of our, our, you know, our heroes. We find out that they had dark sides to them and unhappiness. And you say, how could this person be? How could this person possibly be unhappy? They have everything. Well, they, re they do these studies all around, all the time, different countries, and some of the poorest countries in the world have the highest level of satisfaction. Obviously, there are a couple countries, some of the Nordic countries that are very high. And there are, uh, you always hear about the seasonal affective disorder when the you know days get shorter, people get unhappier. Actually, like I think Finland's one of the happiest countries in the world. And that's right up there, right up on the uh, Arctic Circle, a, a decent part of the country. So they have some very short days up there. And that's just not a determiner for it. It's not, there's happy, there's people that you see that live on the street. When someone comes up and gives them food, you see them express gratitude. And then other people, when they gain, they gain, they could have just windfall things occur for them. Great, great prizes delivered to them. Great honors, great, yeah fortunes and it doesn't move the needle so if you're able to now bring that this is why the thing i always say going into work to be depressed and i was doing that sometimes with my previous job i was going into work i was i was trying to i would try to psych myself out I'm going to look at people differently. I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to try to be, I got to look at, I got to take the time when I'm busy and see that someone wants to be, that comes into work, they want to be paid attention to. They want to be asked how, how they are and things like that. And it does. And every so often you see that. And I really enjoyed that whenever I could kiss uh, someone and you say, oh, how are you? And you tell them, you know, say, I care how you feel. I care how you are today. And that is a good feeling. That is a really good feeling when you could change someone's day. And if you could do it while you're working, while you're making money, that is gravy. That is gravy. That is icing on the cake. All those metaphors you want to think about. I, I do. I do have this tendency of uh, some people call it snide. I have, uh, I'm a bullshitter. I'm a big bullshitter, but I do it for entertainment, pur entertainment purposes. And uh, I would, I always tell them, I said, listen, when I'm done, I want to, I will not let you leave. If, if I told something as a humorous falsehood, I will not leave it that way. And you got to be careful with how you do it and how you deliver it. I mentioned in previous episodes, I told an allegory of the uh, nativity scene, but I made it my birthday and I put it on 
December 24th, I was telling a waitress that at a place, uh, a really a nice Italian restaurant I used to hang at. They had a nice bar and we watched football with the friends. I told her a story. The uh, nativity scene made his story kind of made it more modern and and references modern and more uh, current. And uh, I thought it, you know, I made it so outrageous that, you know, Oh, she was laughing. She, she was looking at me and she was looking amazed. And I go, wow, I didn't get the reaction. She's not laughing at all. So, but then she just came back and she just was so warm to me. And I said, well, this is good. I'm going to go. Well, she really enjoyed that story. And I was laughing. I said, yeah, yeah, it's just like Jesus, right? And uh, came back and she heard people were laughing. They said, you believe that? He was just telling the story. And I assume she thought she knew the story was a joke. Um, I figure um, with the, the, you know, she would she didn't want to really go on a date after that. She felt like she was humiliated. Um, with the, all the interviews I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of, uh, they're doing a drug test and a lot of background checks. And, you know, I said, and they're asking about my you know, drug test. And I said, oh, you know, I don't joke about drug tests because you never know what could come up. I'm on this all this heart medication. So I said, listen, I listed all the heart medication. So I want you to ask me if something comes up funny and you stuff. It's in it's, these are the medicines. I got to list it. Uh, it's from my doctor. But and then with the background checks, he said, you got anything to tell? You got anything in your background you got to do it? And I go, well, there is, you know, there is a little fraud, you know? And they go, what? And I go, yeah, uh, my, um, it involves the elf on the shelf. And then you get fascinated. You go, oh, did you sell? I go, no, no, no. We had elf on the shelf in our house. And my daughter saw me moving it. And they go, and she knew he wasn't moving on its own power. So in that case, they may think they hear fraud. If you don't explain it any further, they don't ask you. And then you'd have to go and say, listen, I started to tell this. And what I want to tell it was it's a joke. And it would look kind of lame. And I go, wow, I better not tell the elf in the stuff story, right? Or I'm the one that ate all the cookies and drank the milk that they left out for Santa. So... I'm, you know, who knows? Well, this is Jim, the Keys bartender. I'd like you, thank you for listening today. I will be back again, perhaps tomorrow. I think I will be tomorrow. And it's getting up to Christmas. We'll do our Christmas show tomorrow. Maybe. Bye. <laughs>